Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, where the roommate from hell gets what's coming to her. Our next Reddit post is from Tales of Cat. My roommate, Looney Lucy, is a slovenly, food-stealing, clothing-destroying waste of carbon. I dealt with her by keeping my space clean and ignoring her areas, storing my food at work or at my boyfriend's place, and installing a lock on my bedroom door so she couldn't borrow outfits that look like she could fit into when she has 30 pounds on me. All these things made Looney Lucy a bad roommate, but I had my workarounds. And she had the one saving grace of being quiet at night, so I put up with it. I put up with it, that is, until she broke our cardinal roommate rule. No one gets a key to the apartment without both roommates agreeing. The rule was sacred. I couldn't even give a key to my boyfriend of more than a year. Unbeknownst to me, Looney Lucy had met a guy online who lived several hours away. Within two weeks of meeting him, she invites him to meet in real life and stay over for the weekend. Looney Lucy then mailed this strange man a key to our apartment because he was going to get into town before she got off work. You read that right. A man she talked to for only two weeks, had never actually met, and who I didn't know about had a key to our shared apartment. And she wasn't going to be there to greet him. But I was. I'm starting laundry while only wearing my Victoria's Secret robe because I'll be hopping into the shower right after. I hear the lock click. I turn around and I see the door swing open to reveal a thin, creepy looking guy in a trench coat who just stands there silently while I freeze like an effing idiot rabbit. Creepy guy suddenly steps forward into the apartment. I come out of my startle and scream bloody murder and chuck the laundry detergent at his head before scrambling into my bedroom and locking the door. He's yelling that it's okay. He's Looney Lucy's boyfriend. I scream that I don't care who he is. Get out or I'm calling the cops and my six foot four built like a tank boyfriend. Creepy guy leaves and to his credit, he even locks the door behind him. Poor, poor creepy guy. I call Looney Lucy and ask her if creepy guy is her boyfriend and if she gave him a key. She said he was and she did. She gushes about how they met. I hang up on her mid-sentence and call my boyfriend, who, lucky me, actually is six foot four and built like a tank. He comes over, we pack up the essentials, and I move in with him that day. We hadn't thought we were quite ready for that step. Turns out that in the face of Looney Lucy, we were. No apology or even excuses from Looney Lucy when my boyfriend and I go back the next week to get the rest of my stuff. She yells at me that it's my fault that I overreacted, and that I'm lucky that Creepy Guy didn't press charges for the mild concussion my laundry detergent gave him. Now, I'm slow to true anger. I'll complain just like anyone, but actual rage is not in my usual repertoire of emotion. But guess what? I'm there now. Looney Lucy needs to pay. Now, the two-year lease is in my name only because Looney Lucy's credit is so bad that nowhere in the good part of town would take her. She'd been living with her parents over an hour away from her job for months before we started rooming together. Hindsight tells me that this is because no one else would room with her prior to me, but hindsight's 2020. So there's nothing legally preventing me from subletting the apartment for the remaining 14 months on the lease. I could also evict her, but that wouldn't be nearly as much fun as what I decided to do instead. I post a roommate ad on Craigslist and make it quite the deal. I'll keep my original deposit on file and pay the first two months rent and sublet fee, on the condition that they know that they're living with a food-thieving, clothing-destroying slob. I may want revenge, but I'm not willing to sucker some innocent person into it. Over the next couple of weeks, I get a few nibbles, but no one has the flavor I'm looking for to match Looney Lucy. Then I get a message from Kevin. Kevin goes down my list of warnings. 
Kevin doesn't care about the food thieving. He orders takeout and hates leftovers. For obvious reasons, Kevin isn't worried about Looney Lucy borrowing his clothes. And Kevin admits that he's a huge slob, and not having to pay attention to it is actually a plus. Kevin says that the two months rent seems kind of excessive, and that there must be more to the story if I'm willing to pay that on top of the deposit and sublet fee. So I tell Kevin the rest of the story. Kevin tells me he'll take the deal, but I should know something about him. Kevin says that he's very happily active in the single scene. Not looking to settle down, but very much looking to continue bringing home a revolving door of partners. Sometimes he'll stay for a couple of days or a week at a time, so it's good to know the key rule isn't really that big of a deal. I tell him it sounds like he and Looney Lucy will be a good roommate match. Kevin fills out the paperwork, the leasing office does its credit and background check and gives it the green light. I mail Kevin my key. Kevin moves in. I get a frantic call from Looney Lucy about a strange man showing up, saying he lives there with her now. I tell her that's right, he does, and I explain the subletting process. She starts raging at me, so I hang up and mute her calls. Over the next few days, I get a lot of voicemails. Some raging, some whining, some begging. Looney Lucy's been forced to clean and take out the trash like a slave or something because Kevin doesn't bother. Looney Lucy can't move out because she can't get a lease anywhere else and her parents won't let her move back home. Looney Lucy has to keep paying her half of the rent because Kevin told her that if she stopped, then he'd change the locks and move all her stuff out. After a few weeks of radio silence, Looney Lucy calls again and I decide to pick up. She tells me she's so happy to get a hold of me. I have to do something. Kevin is now bringing men home every couple of nights and sometimes they don't leave for days and days. I say, yeah, having a roommate who hands out keys without your consent to guys you don't know is a pain, isn't it? And down in the comments of this thread, we have a crazy conversation. Angelo Papa says, I just feel bad for the creepy guy. This wasn't his fault at all. He was just looking for a bit of action. And then Charlie G replies to that. There's a post from five years ago on 4chan about a guy getting laundry detergent thrown at him after spending his World of Warcraft money on gas and flowers. And then beneath that, there's a bunch of comments from other people saying that they also remember that 4chan post. So that poor guy just wanted to raid Looney Lucy's dungeon and instead he got banned. Our next Reddit post is from Van Adler. So my friend's father was a mechanical engineer, but he's retired now. He was around 55 years old when this happened and very experienced in his field. In fact, he had some skill sets that were close to unique to the extent that you might be able to replicate them, but at extreme costs. We're talking multiple people from multiple companies, from multiple countries, taking weeks, if not months, to get up to speed with specific projects to do the same thing that this guy was doing. He was also a no-BS kind of guy who did his job and did it well, but also pointed out problems and expected others to point out problems to him. He was extremely solution-oriented and had no time for office politics or keeping a positive attitude at work. Basically, your everyday grumpy older engineer who really knew his thing and was always ready to help if you asked, but wasn't very forthcoming in team building exercises and so on. He also ran his own business on the side doing minor projects and so on. As was required by his employer, he had reported this and was sure to not cause any conflicts of interest, so his employer knew and accepted this. He was considered a valuable employee and got several awards, which he didn't care about, during his many years with this employer. By all accounts, they paid him well, respected his knowledge, and accommodated his style. And he returned the favor by working very hard and making sure to mentor younger and newly employed engineers to make them effective co-workers. 
Then his company was acquired by a larger company and a new management team was installed. Initially, everyone was promised things would remain the same, but with the new management came a new office culture. The new management pressured for unpaid overtime and a more American corporate culture with cheering and clapping and so on. My dad's engineering friend considered this extremely cringe and refused to participate. His status as a long-standing and knowledgeable employee kept him safe for some time. Before the new management realized that the resistance to the new culture centered around him and they started pressuring him to play along. When he didn't, they turned increasingly hostile. Realizing that he held a lot of soft power in the company, since he mentored a large percentage of the engineers and the resistance to their leadership centered around him, they started ordering him to work overtime. He answered that he was on time with his projects and that if they had identified an emergency requiring overtime, they would have to bring it up with the union to negotiate the overtime and make sure it was an actual emergency. The contract with the union said no overtime unless it's an emergency. They tried to force him to participate in the cheering and clapping by making it mandatory for him to attend and yelling at him to participate. And he did so, but so unenthusiastically that the event turned even more cringe and people started laughing. The workplace turned more and more hostile, and he knew that things would come to a head sooner or later. Being an experienced engineer and knowing how to document things, he already had his ducks in a row. Then it finally happened. They caught him answering an email for his side business on his work laptop, brought him in, and fired him on the spot for theft of company resources. He sat at the conference table and looked the three managers in their eyes, one after the other, and asked, Are you sure you want to do this? They all said yes. Are you really sure you want to do this? He was escorted to his desk by security to leave his phone, his badge, and his computer at the desk, and then escorted out. Once out of the building, he phoned his union representative, who immediately canceled the firing, claiming that there was no just cause, which meant that it would go to the labor board for arbitration. You see, the company had an IT policy that it was okay to use the company laptop for personal business, including a side business, as long as you were on a break and complying with IT security protocols and the company was aware of and had approved the side business. And he was on break. Of course, he had the document about his side business signed by the former manager and the IT policy available and sent both to the union representative. Then he called his lawyer and asked him to send the prepared cease and desist on two patents he held. Patents that weren't that significant and nothing he could make serious money out of, since they were only used for a couple of specific things at his employer's company. But the patents were still his and he had brought them into his employment and allowed his employer to use it in exchange for slightly higher pay all of which was documented in his contract, of course. Then he went home for some vacation and tended to his side business. He had always been the type of guy to plan ahead and had enough money saved up to last him a good long time, to the extent that he had even considered retiring early. My friend said that he had two job offers from competitors that were hoping to snipe him within the week, basically as soon as they learned he was available. He was gracious but declined, but offered them to consult with his side business now that he had the time, which they eagerly accepted at twice the hourly rate that he made at his earlier employer. His colleagues started calling him the next day for advice since the projects that he had managed couldn't go on without him. He was perfectly polite but denied any information and help, saying that he was no longer employed there and for management to contact him. Several clients that phoned his private number were told the same thing. Since his private number wasn't on a public registry, he suspected that both colleagues and clients spent some time and or money to find it. It took two weeks before a manager phoned him and started asking questions. He politely declined to answer, got yelled at, and replied with something like, I'm sorry, you must have me mistaken for someone who works for you, and hung up. <laughs> 
This happened a few times, and the next week, HR called him and stated that the firing had been a mistake and he was welcome back to his job. He again politely declined, saying that he was awaiting the labor board's decision, but until then, he was happy to consult for them at six times his hourly pay. After taxes and administrative costs, of course. After a few days of wrangling and trying to negotiate, they had to accept. And then he sprung the patent issue on them, forcing them to pay for those, too. Less, <laughs> less than two and a half weeks after being fired, he was back at his desk. After roughly three months, the firing came to the labor board. The employer stated that they believed that they had handled the issue correctly, but were still willing to offer my friend's father his position back in the interest of goodwill and reconciliation. My friend's father and the union simply stated that he was now employed elsewhere, his own company, and was no longer available. The labor board ruled in favor of the union and my friend's father, and he got the normal damages. Three months pay damage and a 24 months pay severance package, including pension and, of course, lawyer costs. According to my friend, her father continued to work there until he retired, working 20 hours or so per week, with another 10 or 15 hours for other companies, making a pretty penny. Continuing to charge them three times what he charged their competitors as a butthole tax. The managers weren't fired, but they were moved into their own group apart from the rest of the department when it came to bonus calculations, and the cost of her father's consultancy fees and the cost of the labor board arbitration were budgeted from them, meaning they were constantly over budget and thus ineligible for bonuses for several years, which was a decent percentage of the incentives at that company, making at least one of them quit. After that, my friend also said that her father usually met any complaints from management with a huge grin and, what are you going to do, fire me? Companies that make you pretend to be enthusiastic and cheer each other on are one of my biggest pet peeves. You can pay for my time, experience, and skills, but you can't pay for my emotions. That was one of the biggest problems with my previous employer and why I ended up getting fired from there, because I just didn't care. They kept having all these team building exercises and they expected me to care, but I was just like, do you people not get it? I'm only here because you're paying me to be here. Our next Reddit post is from Joshua. Many moons ago, when I was about 10, my aunt was a victim of an assault while she was getting a routine surgery from her doctor. Needless to say, things got really messed up rather quickly. Now, we don't have a lot of money, but the doctors obviously lawyered up to the teeth and they were trying to dig up anything they could find to paint my aunt in a bad light. She got her one lawyer and soldiered on. A few months into the lawsuit, we noticed random cars kept stealing all of our trash. So my aunt hired a private eye and found that it was the defense lawyer's doing. Now, their cars were pretty nice. It was always a Range Rover or a black BMW, possible 7 Series, because it was quite large. They would pull up and dump the entire contents of the trash can in the trunk and speed off. This was unsettling to say the least, so my aunt and mom hatched a brilliant plan. There were four cats in the house, so we had a rather large supply of cat pee and poo at our disposal. We simply saved up enough of this until the trash was about three-fourths full of straight-up litter. Oh, not bagged either, just right in the can. It was then topped off with random shredded documents. It looked like a jackpot of a find. And then a ton of good-smelling stuff to help hide the stink. The next trash day, like clockwork, they showed up in that black BMW and two people quickly picked up the can and dumped the entire contents in the trunk. They were furious and started losing their cool at the end of the driveway. To top it all off, my aunt walked outside with a cup of coffee, waved and said good morning, all cheerful-like. They sped off and we never saw them again. 
She ended up winning the case about a year later. And down in the comments, someone asked OP what happened to the doctor, and OP replies, I was very young, so I don't remember the details of the case outside of him losing his license. She got a good amount of money and enjoyed life afterwards. They say it's better to be pissed off than pissed on, but in this case, it sounds like they got a little bit of both. That was our slash pro revenge, and if you like this content, then be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.